A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, I'm Alicia Davis from Brooklyn, New York, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, thank you very much, Alicia, from Brooklyn. I've never been to Brooklyn. I, I really want to go now. Because we've got a listener there, and she's been backing us here on the Tennis Podcast. Catherine, have you ever been to Brooklyn? It's bad timing, David, because you literally can't go anywhere at the moment. Uh, uh, yes, yes, I have been to Brooklyn. Is it nice? Yes. I actually, didn't I tell the story once of sort of almost getting decapitated on the Brooklyn Bridge? So no. the route there was um, a bit treacherous, but uh, once there, I had a lovely time. Oh, good. Oh. There are a lot of people Oof. with selfie sticks on the Brooklyn right. Bridge and the selfie okay. sticks often jutted out across the cycle lane um, mm. and it was a quite high velocity cycle lane and I had to dodge, dodge out of the way of some selfie sticks a few times. Well done for dodging them. <laughs> Matt, have you ever been to Brooklyn? I have, Yes. Um, when I went to the US Open in 2017 with a couple of my university friends, they're big fans of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And we went over to Brooklyn to stand outside the bu- one of the buildings in that program. It was a, it was a nerdy trip. Right. So I'm the only one, I'm the odd one out then. How many Fine. times have you been to New York without going to Brooklyn, David? About 18. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway, Alicia, thank you so much for your support of the tennis podcast. Uh, given that you have supported it, I think we better talk about tennis. Um, we're going to be talking about other things as well because Catherine Whittaker has had quite a day, let me tell you. And uh, we'll be getting on to that. But first, let's talk about four players who have been lighting it up today. And uh, Dominic Team and Novak Djokovic, first of all. Um, battled it out, and then Daniel Medvedev and Rafael Nadal did the same. We've ended up with a Team Medvedev final. But I think probably during those matches, I, I, ex- I would have expected the way they were going, both of the opposite results to have happened, quite honestly. Um, what did you think of uh, of Team Djokovic? Let's just look at what happened in that match, because... I, I was I wasn't watching it that closely because I was cooking and I was trying to sort out arguments between my kids, uh, but I'd got it on, uh, and and I I said about ten games in, Djokovic looks like he's playing really well, and you weren't as sure about my assertion, Matt. No, I thought throughout the match it was a good level, but not a brilliant level. Um, if if we're comparing. It to previous team Djokovic matches, it put me more in mind of the Australian Open final they had this year rather than the round-robin match they played at the ATP finals last year, which Djokovic described that one as out of the ordinary because team just played out of his mind for the whole match and Djokovic stayed with him for the whole match. But it felt like they both had a full tank of weapons, energy, ability for the whole match. And it was just a, it was just a force of a tennis match. Whereas at the Australian Open, they were kind of having to navigate various issues they were dealing with. Djokovic was dealing with energy problems and team was dealing with kind of the nerves of a Grand Slam final. And here it felt like they were both dealing with not quite having 
their best tennis. But I think that feeds into what you said at the start, David, about during the match thinking Djokovic might be the one to win it. And I had the same thought because Djokovic is an expert at winning when he doesn't quite play his best or an expert at doing just enough to win. And I thought he was probably going to end up doing that yet again. Um, so that was that was kind of where I stood from a from a level point of view of that match. Um, but but then, as as I expected, I suppose it came down to a couple of tie breaks. You know, we've talked a lot about both of their tie break records this year, and after the first tie break they played, I was ready to take away everything I've ever said about how good they are in tie breaks because it was one of the worst tie breaks I've ever seen in terms of <laughs> in terms of quality. You know, they both neither of them could hold serve in it. It was extraordinary. It's like they they cancelled one another out yeah. with their tie break brilliance. Yes, exactly. And, and neither of them could, could perform. Um goalless draw. Yeah. But from that point of view it did it did strike me as a match which really was one of those ones where I missed the crowd because the quality itself wasn't enough to sustain the match. The, the most interesting aspect of it, I thought, was the intrigue and the drama. And I just kept having that thought, oh, imagine 17,000 people kind of losing their minds over this match, swaying this way and that. So, uh, yeah, I, I really did feel the lack of crowd, because I think they can elevate drama and they can elevate chaos, which is what, it was, which is what was happening in that match. Um, but... Having said that, it did live up to its billing in terms of them being very closely matched and as a kind of spectacle of tennis, it was it was very, very exciting. When it got into that third set tiebreak, Catherine, I mean Djokovic went four love up and he was he was flying. You know, he was he was ready to he was ready to take the title and also team was missing and just looked as though it was just a step too far. What happened? Because, I mean, what he did after that was a reminder of probably what, I don't know, what he only he can do in the game right now in terms of an injection. Yeah, well, I think, I think he went into his shell, Djokovic, and I, I realise there's a fine, very fine line, possibly even only one of perception, between going into your shell and going into lockdown, which is what we've lauded Novak mm. Djokovic for doing in tie breaks over the course of the last two years and what's been responsible for uh, <laughs> for his brilliant record in tie breaks. No, I'm, using, I'm now using COVID terminology <laughs> to describe tennis. What a sorry state of affairs. The um, thing is, it used, to have a, it used to have a meaning that we we're all comfortable yeah. with and now it's got... This ulterior <laughs> yeah, meaning. It's ruined everything. Um, but, and I think, I think going into lockdown in, in a situation as, as tense and error inducing uh, as tie breaks against most players is enough. But Dominic Team has this ability to be so brave, so courageous in those moments. And he's good enough that it seems to, it, well, today, certainly, it, it that, you know, it's the old adage of fortune favouring the brave. It really, really did tonight. And that's certainly what Djokovic said after the match. He he praised how courageous Dominic team was from from fall love down. And he did he did make Djokovic look look passive and dare I say it, almost a little flat. I know there were there were outbursts from Djokovic and this is a sort of constant source of debate in our prime studio between Daniela Hantikova and Greg Rosetsky about what is what is the best Djokovic state of mind what is the most conducive Djokovic state of mind to his best tennis Greg wants to see him angry and frustrated and defiant um, and Daniela wants to see a sort of slightly more meditative zen-like Djokovic um, I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle but I do tend to lean a bit towards a bit more towards Greg really and I do I do just wonder if he is what happened in New York is is forcing him 
or making him feel like he does need to restrain himself, even if it's just subconsciously, um, and whether that's a bit of a a drain on his abilities. Look, he was really, really good today. We're talking extremely fine margins, but the others are getting better. So those fine margins will become increasingly important, I think. I think it's a very legitimate question to ask. You know, was he flat today? And is that as a consequence of what happened to him at the US Open? And I think not even just today, if you... If you look at the th- probably the three standout matches since that U.S. Open incident were the French Open final, where I thought he was flat against Nadal. Mm-hmm. That strange defeat he took to Sonigo, where he was flat and there was no kind of sense that he was really going to be defiant and resilient in it. And then it was this match today where... There was kind of one primal scream, wasn't there, where he missed a forehand return. and But it never turned into the the fire and the resilience we have seen from him before. And what I thought was interesting is that it was clearly there because he flew into his press conference and was pent up and pretty, pretty frustrated. I mean, naturally, he's he's lost a very close match, but... You know, we sometimes talk about Djokovic giving really long answers in his press conference. This was the complete opposite. He was fulsome in his <laughs> praise of team and very and very gracious and acknowledged how well team played. But he was also clearly annoyed and frustrated. And dare I say, he displayed more visible kind of fire in that five-minute press conference than I felt he did in the match. So... I am wondering whether he's he's trying to keep something in. And I definitely lean on the side of Djokovic is at his best when he's emotional. It's, it's mm. cost him in the past. We've seen that. But it's also helped him. This, this is the second year in a row that he has said about Dominic Team. I played well and I couldn't believe what he was that they were all going in. Last year, I remember him saying specifically almost a little bit... I don't want to say sneery, but almost as if to say, "Well, he ain't going to be able to do mm. that again. He ain't going to. He's not. That's not going to keep happening." Um, because I mean, that was the big thing. He kept on landing those ground strokes on the baseline, but it's just that team is so violent with his ground strokes when he's in that frame of mind that he's still hitting winners. And then today, from four love up. He said again, I didn't think I did that much wrong. He was just incredible what, what he was doing, the way he can flatten out these balls and just smash them at you as though as though he's not even considering whether they might go out or not. You know, if they go out, fine. I'm just going to belt the living daylights out of the ball as hard as I can. And But they're going in. And I, and I think that it comes back to Djokovic against those type of players. He ha- He will give you his 9 out of 10. He'll give you that base level and see if you can get above it enough. Um, because he doesn't have the he doesn't have a Vavrinka and a and a and a team explosion of power. He just doesn't have that. Um, but he has something else. He and he has the movements and he has the explosive stretches out wide that keep the ball deep and make just make you miss as well. Um, over five sets, that's the other thing. I know I know. team has beaten him at the French, but it'll be very interesting to see whether he can get him over five on a hard court. Um, very interested to see them play again, probably somewhere like the the Australian Open. But it's interesting. I, I wonder whether it will end up affecting Djokovic, you know, these, these kind of defeats. Don't dangle the carrot of an Australian Open in front of us, no. David. We'll come on to that <laughs> in a minute. It's a mere hallucination. Yeah, that, that seems to change every day at the moment, the uh, the potential and the prospects of an Australian Open. So we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. Let's just deal with the matches here first. Um, so team is into the final. He now faces Medvedev. But, I mean, just as Djokovic was fall of up in that tie-break, Nadal was serving for the match against Daniel Medvedev, which surprised me a bit in, in as much as Nadal had his way more than I expected in this match. I thought it might be the other way around, that Medvedev might race into the lead and Nadal peg him back. So what actually happened, Matt, today? Well, 
it was clear from the start, I thought, that it was a matchup which Medvedev quite likes. Uh, you know, Nadal's topspin forehand going into his backhand and he can flatten it out and hit those penetrating ground strokes and push Nadal around a bit. And Medvedev certainly started the better player. He he made his first 16 first serves and his his service games were taking 90 seconds and Nadal's service games were taking about seven minutes. Nadal was the one hanging on at the start, but I think I, I think I put on our Twitter account that it was it was a meeting of tennis minds tonight, and I think I think because the U.S. Open final was so long and grueling, and we saw how much it took out of Nadal. I've 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 thought of this match in physical terms. I've thought of it as a big battle, you know, between two, you know, just sort of prime athletes. But actually, it was it was kind of a bit of a chess match out there and it was a really interesting tactical match and Nadal figured it out and managed to neutralize those strengths of Medvedev he hit so many slice backhands and you know to stop Medvedev being able to hit it up high and take it early and he hit his forehand down the line fantastically and he came into the net very astutely sometimes serve and volleying and I thought it was just a brilliant tactical performance from Nadal but then it seemed like once Medvedev broke back when Nadal was serving for the match, and Nadal didn't play a great game, but Medvedev played a brilliant game. He made all his returns and deep and really went out and won that game. Then it kind of felt like it switched again and Medvedev made the made the changes and then was the one in control throughout that third set. And yeah, I just I just really admired the way they both thought out there and thought their way through the problems and you could you could see them changing their games during the match it was it was a fascinating watch from from a tactical point of view i thought hmm. do, do you feel therefore medvedev took that break of serve back when he was when nadal serving for the match or did nadal blow it a bit did he choke at all no i don't i, I don't think it was a choke no. i don't think it was a choke he i think he got f- uh four or five first serves in in that game you know with no double faults it, it, it medvedev's returned brilliantly uh i don't think there were any return winners but you know right at nadal's feet um throughout that game so might not have been Nadal's best game, but it, it mm. definitely wasn't a choke. And there was a point in the tiebreak. I think it was 4-3 in the tiebreak. Nadal had a forehand that he probably should have put away, but he he just went one direction and Medvedev guessed the right direction and frankly got lucky. He, he framed a shot which went over Nadal's head, lobbed him and it went in and... Hmm. That that seemed to change the tiebreak. It was just a very small moment like that. And you could say Nadal at his best wouldn't have hit it that way. He would have hit it into the open space. But it was it was it was a little bit lucky that moment from Medvedev. Um I mean the third set and, certainly and he, wasn't. And he then then performed the um apology fist bump transition yes, move. Marvellous. <laughs> which is just the best. <laughs> That's a in a one cool fluid move. motion, an apology can become a, celebra- a celebratory fist pump. Pump. Yeah, I think I might have to play that back. In fact, we need to get a gif of that. Mm. That could come in handy. Um, so, um, yeah, the um, a couple of points I just wanted to make when you were talking about the sliced backhand. There was one rally where I think Nadal drifted about eight successive backhand slices over the net and just kept on doing it and and Medvedev kept on pinpointing the backhand and kept rolling his cross-court forehand to it or an inside-out backhand to it and Nadal's slicing and floating and drifting and floating and floating and floating and then boom down the line goes the backhand for clean winner (laughs) and I just love that that moment of decision of right trigger is being pulled now uh, and uh, and it's such a clever rally. I mean, look, he didn't win the match, but I, I agree with you. I really enjoyed watching the tactical battle between the two in that regard. Um, I've, I've, I've got I've got a little um, image that I want to give you for, for Medvedev that I've just come up with. To me, Medvedev reminds me of a velociraptor from the Jurassic Park mo- movies. The way the moment the little he's tiny got, hands. No, they're 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 absolutely. 
No, no, it's the T-Rexes that have the little tiny hands. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the vicious little dinosaurs that just are incredibly quick and so awful in the way <laughs> they come at you when they've got a chance. When they've got an opening, they are vicious and they will not let it go and they will stop at nothing. Aren't they quite sort of compact, though? I don't know, they're quite wiry. Sort of more more diplodocus <laughs> No... I, I like this. I like this. The, what I like about Medvedev, the reason I come up with this, is because the moment he gets a sniff of blood on the court, he's on you. He's he goes for you. They're very clever. The velociraptor. Oh no! Is it the T Rexes that are one of them's very clever? All of this knowledge is from Jurassic Park. Obviously, the Velociraptor is is the clever it's, one. The Velociraptor is the one that's defeated via the reflection in the oven. Yes, yes, correct. that's how they escape from the Velociraptor, right? Well, that's what Dominic Team's got to do tomorrow. Then bring his oven. We're following through this <laughs> ropey analogy, <laughs> which we seem to be. I started it, so there we are. Matt, have you seen the Jurassic Park films? Uh, at all? I have. Yes. Okay. Anything no one in hasn't seen Jurassic Park, <laughs> and also David. No one says the Jurassic Park films. That's not a thing. Why not? It's Jurassic Park and then some subsequent movies they made to which, you know, if you enjoy them, fine. But no, that's like saying, have you seen the, that's like saying, have you seen the Grease movies? I went to no the cinema and saw it. No one is putting Grease 2 in with Grease. It's oh, I quite liked Grease 2. Absolutely not a thing. Okay, Maxwell well, Caldfield and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, well, as I recall. I feel like I should do you a favour and wrap this portion of the podcast up. <laughs> brutal okay uh so yeah and i mean you know there you go patrick moritoglu free nickname for daniel medvedev <laughs> the velociraptor right um matt what i do like ab- about medvedev is i didn't used to understand him at all i didn't understand how he was good hmm. i don't think you're alone there matt I mean, Tim Hemman still seems to be a bit confused. Mm. I mean, he is unorthodox and he is deceptive. I still think he is. But I think we're learning about what, what makes him good and how he wins these matches. And I've really enjoyed seeing that development over the last year. And I would actually say a similar thing about Team. Team is satisfying as someone who watches tennis all the year round because we've literally witnessed him get better on hard courts before our eyes and it's been incremental but it's been solid and sustained and it and that's quite fulfilling and satisfying I think when you're watching you you're very aware that it isn't just a flash in the pan it's 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 development and progress and that's kind of what you want to see I think um so I think they're both similar in that respect in fact in terms of our understanding of them has developed quite a lot yeah, we've been on a we've been on a journey yeah. with them both, haven't we? It's like you know, no one ever wins strictly if they're brilliant in week one. Do they not? No, no. You've got to go on a Why journey. Not? See Danny Mac. <laughs> I'm still upset about that. No, no one remembers Danny Mac. <laughs> he was amazing. Yeah, he was. He had had professional dance training, Matt. I should yeah, think but, so yeah, but, too. Yeah, but that's what I mean. He was so good in week yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check with my kids to find out what you're talking about because um, they watch that. Um, right. Um, so we've got team against Medvedev in the final. Uh, Nadal, I saw his press comments afterwards and, um, you know, he, he, he gave some very interesting answers, particularly about, we'll come on to talk about Australia, but, I mean, he's, again, very philosophical about the seriousness of the situation and, and how he doesn't want sport to be a big deal, really. I found his his walk off court very sad tonight. Yeah. He looks he's never gonna he win looks, the O two, is he? He looked sad. Um you know, obviously he'd just just lost a really tight match and been knocked out of a tournament that he desperately wants to win and maybe I'm imposing my own my own feelings on him I'm projecting but I don't know he he looked sad about the situation he looked sad about having no crowd Hmm. to wave to on his way out of the O2 for the very last time he looked like he was just drinking in all the sadness (laughs) 
I mean, you had a few moments uh, of of showing last year's final on Prime Video mm. today between Sitsipas and team. And I mean, the, the, like, it felt like the crowd were almost on the court. They were so desperate to be involved. Mm. Yeah, I kept I kept looking up and seeing that. And my instinctive reaction was, oh, my God, why aren't you social distancing? <laughs> and then I just sort of cried a bit inside. <laughs> anyway, keep it light, David. <laughs> Move on. It's all right. The, the, the jolly stuff's to... Well, kind of, to come. Don't don't you think, though, that as sad as that image was, and maybe this is just me being cruel, but there is something so tantalising about these greats at the moment all still having things to chase and just not quite being able to get there, perhaps. You know, we've got it with Serena, we've got it with... Federer to a, I mean, Federer is an interesting case because he's trying to hold people off as well, but he's also got that Olympic gold just sort of dangling there. Same with Djokovic and the Grand Slam record. And this is it for Nadal, isn't it? The ATP finals. And I don't know, there's, there's something quite special about people having achieved so much, but just wanting more. And that was, that was kind of what was going through my mind when I saw Nadal leave, just leave that court like that. It was kind of summed it all up i thought mm, that was sit to pass s in its <laughs> profoundness matt indeed how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Talking about heartbreak, Joe Salisbury. Oh. Oh. What happened happened to him today? Because when I was watching... They were he and Rajiv Ram were set up, and then things started to go against them. And then they seemed to have a, a pretty decent lead in the in the tie break, and then I, I I think I had to cook the kids dinner, and then I don't. And then the next thing I knew, he hadn't won. So tell me what happened. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely call a seven-one lead in a tie break pretty decent. They also had match point 
in that tie break. Um, yeah, I mean, they are, he and Rajiv Ram are presumably in my midst somewhere in this hotel. And I, <laughs> I can almost imagine it, imagine the despair radiating off, radiating off them. Um, just, I mean, I, I hope they've, I hope, I hope their mini bar was stocked in a way that mine wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, it, utter despair. Just, just really, really bleak for them. They, they had the prize of yes, reaching the the final here, and and that's a massive prize in terms of prestige and finances and pride. Um, but I, for me, I think an even bigger carrot was reaching world number one, which they would have done with a win tonight. They didn't need to really? win the final tomorrow. Oh, my word. I didn't know that. Yeah. And <laughs> this is not a very technical analysis, but that was it. It was too much. It was too big a carrot. Is, it, they, is that how it felt? They stumbled watching over the, the carrot, if you will. Watching the points at 7-1... Did it feel? I mean, we, they were up against um, uh, Melt, were up Meltzer against and Roger Meltzer. Vasselin, yeah. So Meltzer, thirty-nine years of age, playing in his final event, I think, um, and uh, Edouard Roger Vasselin, seven-one. You know, you never get a hun- never necessarily get a hundred percent choke and a hundred percent inspired performance, do you? But where do you put the percentages? Uh, Is that too? Mean? I want to be kind but very much on the side of choke i mean roger vaslan meltzer particularly meltzer and like he's a he's a player that almost wasn't far off qualifying for this tournament in singles once upon a time they they knew how tight ram and salisbury were going to be and they they played to that and they played very smartly to that meltzer made absolutely sure of his his returns when it mattered you know, I was watching up in the studio uh, with Tim Hemmen and Greg Rosetsky and Hemmen just said, absolutely no way Maltz is missing these returns. And he didn't, you know, it was, yeah, they, they, they squandered a huge, huge opportunity tonight. And it is, it is very possible that they won't get the chance again to reach number one in the world. I mean, the doubles is so unpredictable and open who on earth knows? Um, mm. Especially with all these changes of the partnerships mm. and who's going to yeah, come out strong. Yeah, I mean, both, and both might help doubles. Yeah, yeah, it could do. Absolutely. Both doubles finals teams tomorrow, it, it will be their last match as a pairing. Mm. Right. Confirmed. Oh, oh, okay. Of course, because Mektic is going to join up with Pavic, Pavic, who has just become world number one with... Well, he's become world number they, one. They've is that maintained right? their world number one status. Right. Uh, okay. Pavic and Suarez, um, but and now they're splitting up. And, <laughs> yeah, they're going <laughs> to throw that in the bin uh, and disappear off with other partners. And Roger Vasselin is going to play with Henry Continen, hmm. and Wesley Kulhoff is going to play with Lucas Kubot. Oh, and yes. Jürgen Meltzer is going to sail off into the retirement <laughs> sunset. And and there's something about Meltzer and Roger Vasselin this week. This was this was not their greatest escape of the week. I mean, mm. they saved five what match was? points, didn't they, against uh, Piers and Venus? Piers and Venus, and they yeah. and they had and they qualified courtesy of the retirement of Granoyes mm-hmm. and Zabayos. So quite and how they're in the final. <laughs> yes, <laughs> when I see them in those matching outfits, I I get a a little jolt of Herbert Mau. And then oh. I see their faces, and it's not—it's—it's it's all wrong. It's not working. But no. <laughs> no. Catherine's face just lights up talking about Moe and Um So yeah, we've got tomorrow the doubles final: Meltzer and Roger Vasselin against Kulhoff and Mektic. And actually, that was the the, the first one-sided doubles mm. match of the week, wasn't it? And they were up against Granoyes and Zabias. Granoyes, we knew, had that shoulder problem. Six three, six four. So very straightforward. Mm. Um, now, the Australian Open is 
a subject we've talked about quite a lot. We we told you how players weren't now going to be allowed in in December because of the Australian government cracking down on people coming into the country and not wanting loads of tennis players in in December. I think particularly when their own national citizens are stranded overseas perhaps and they're just opening up and want to get them in first um they the word we had was that they weren't going to let anybody in until january the first um which creates that issue of how do you quarantine them for two weeks have a build-up series of tournaments maybe including the atp cup and then have an australian open two and a half weeks later um, and potentially only have three or four days after quarantine if they're not allowed to compete during the quarantine period in order to be prepared. Well, it seems to have taken a real stride on this story over the last 24 to 48 hours. And, and it, the word we had overnight last night was that there was a real chance that the entire Australian summer of tournaments might be delayed and postponed and that the Australian Open might not even take place until April were some of the reports coming out of Channel 9 I read um, this morning and The Age and and one or two others I've heard March as well mooted as a potential. Um, None of this is official. I don't believe that Tennis Australia have commented officially on it, but it's clear that some of this has been floated in some quarters and some conversations because this information is out there. I've heard Todd Woodbridge talk on Channel 9 about it and he has a foot in the camp of Tennis Australia as well. So this is obviously on the agenda and and from what I read um, over the next 48 to 72 hours, they expect to have some news. Um, it's pretty jarring, isn't it, to think that um, they're in quite such a situation um and we don't really know whether there's going to be an australian open in january catherine i mean uh you know you've and there's obviously potential knock-on effects for the whole calendar as well well exactly kind of what i'm eager to know is whether we're in a kind of french open situation of we're going to make our own decision and and do yeah. what suits suits us and hope that everyone else falls in line and it it works out um or whether this is something that is being discussed in coordination i mean it has to be in coordination with the tour surely but with all the other events that are implicated in these sorts of in these sorts of decisions i don't know if there is a a set protocol for these sorts of decisions i mean the way the french open behaved with regards to their uh, rescheduling this year it it seemed not um so yeah it it is it's like i i know uncertainty is now the only certainty um but this feels very late in the day for this uncertainty to be happening mm-hmm. I, I you know i get it completely i'm not criticizing the australian government's stance on this at all i respect it but goodness me these are these are things are happening quickly aren't they and you know they need to i suppose because players would have been flying out in a in a couple of weeks i mean it's just all can't quite can't quite bend my head around it yeah so we'll wait and see weren't tennis australia on that joint press release criticizing the french tennis federation for the move they made they were. at the time yeah mm-hmm. they were that one might get reminded to them <laughs> i mean i if do they're not careful well, i know that the atp depend quite heavily on revenue from the atp cup uh, and I suspect that is even more so the case at the moment when revenues are significantly diminished. Um, you know, this this tournament, the ATP Finals and the ATP Cup, are their big earners. Um, and it sounds like, you know, if if the Australian Open were to go ahead in the sort of circumstances that we were discussing couple of days ago before more recent developments it sounds like the atp cup might have been something that would fall by the wayside um so i i 
on the basis of that, and that's purely speculation, I, I would possibly guess that they would have the ATP support for a move. Um, but I absolutely don't know that for sure. And I've no idea whether WTA would stand on it. And I'd certainly be very interested to know where where other other events on the calendar stand on it. You know, the Australian Open and the Australian tournaments are in the privileged position that they were able to happen this year. You know, you look at other events in the calendar that would potentially be displaced or impacted by an Australian Open move. They've all missed a year. From Indian Wells onwards, you're looking at tournaments that have already had maximum maximum disruption and probably can't afford to have to have another year of that so ah mm. uh, more uncertainty messy. messy indeed um anyway we'll bring you the latest that we have on it as soon as we get any more information coming out on it now you may remember uh, a few days ago, before this tournament started, we had our preview show and we told the story of how Catherine had to have a last-minute trip to the dentist. And um, we managed to get that all sorted out and Catherine made her way to the O2 Arena and she has been presenting live television all week and she has been absolutely fantastic. Um, but... Other things have happened today, and um, it made me think back to this moment on that previous show when we've been talking about this trip to the dentist. Listen to this. I am. So, I'm slightly worried about the next part of your face, which is going to come under fire in 2020. <laughs> we've had eyes. We've had mouth. I broke my nose when I was uh, seven as well. Gym class at school. PE is it class. The same girl or. No. no, I did. I did that to myself. I just hit it on a on a bench by an accident-prone <laughs> so, child and yeah. adult. Yep, accident-prone child, Catherine Whittaker. And today, she was going in early to do some rehearsals, and this happened. Hello and welcome to London's O2 Arena, where over the last 12 years we've witnessed some truly memorable tennis moments. Well, today we'll see the world's best, the top... Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. I've tried to walk in heels, Kate, is what I've done. <laughs> now... First of all, Catherine, uh, I mean, I am laughing, but I'm, I, I, I was concerned for your welfare. Briefly, are you okay? Yeah. Are, are you okay? Yeah, I'm absolutely fine. Okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> can, can you first of all just tell us what happened? <laughs> I, I fell over, David, very clearly. I fell over. Right. Okay. Um, now, you've all heard that. Uh, what you what you may not have done is seen the video, which uh, which exists, and this is because uh, Catherine managed to get footage of the, of this uh, moment. You managed and I had... to get footage. I was presented with footage almost immediately on multiple mm. on multiple screens. Yeah, yeah, and, and and this was nothing to do with me, dear listener. This did not go on the tennis podcast channel. In fact, I was. I was very hesitant. Mm. I did. I wasn't sure that this should go. <laughs> One of my favourite things um, is how quickly David goes from very, very genuine concern to amazing content opportunity. <laughs> Clipping up bits <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. But Catherine was was quicker than me this time, and Catherine uh, put this video on her personal Twitter account with the caption. What was your caption? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Don't make me quote myself, <laughs> it was, David. It was, this is my big chance to become a meme. Right. First of all, what's a meme? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's not really something you explain. No, exactly. Okay. All right. Mum, I'll figure it out and I'll tell you <laughs> later what it is. Um, but anyway, Catherine put this video on and it 
took off because um, so far, as we come to you on the night of this um, of this accident that Catherine had, more than 140,000 people have seen it. <laughs> uh, more than 3,000 people have liked it. A, uh, a news agency in Australia... That's not a great ratio, is it? What? <laughs> of views to likes. No, that's actually really good. Is it? Oh, that's, a, that's quite good. I yeah. This has never happened before. <laughs> I should say that the absolute vast majority of people who who replied expressed genuine concern, a bit like me, and then also said, but I also watched it nine times because it was so funny. Um, uh, We did see quite a lot of that. Um, And then an Australian news agency (laughs) wrote a piece which was headlined, Tennis Presenter's Epic Fall Goes Viral. Uh, And this was by... Jay Bedroyal uh, from the Australian news agency. Yeah, and, he got and, my and, name wrong. And he, he intros it. Kudos to Caroline Whitaker for sharing a moment. <laughs> for sharing a moment that wasn't broadcast live because her tumble at the ATP finals needed to be seen by the world. The well, sports present needed to be. <laughs> Well, you made sure it did. Uh, the sports presenter was doing a trial run of her introduction of a blockbuster slate of semi-final matches on Sunday morning featuring the top four ranked men's players in the world. The clip Whitaker shared showed her talking about some of the memorable last four matches that have been witnessed at the season-ending tournament, which is being held in London for the 12th and final time. Today, we'll see the world's best, the top four, she said, before rolling an ankle and crashing to the ground. Yes, I'm okay. Uh, by the way, she tweeted after posting the vision. And no, we weren't live. Tennis fans were treated again once the action began on court as Dominic Team <laughs> recovered from scoring <laughs> four match points. <laughs> yes, so you, yes, you Australian lead. news agency. They you. were equivalent achievements. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh. Just, just epic. Turns Tennis out the, uh, the body fall. part that Matt should have been worried about was my dignity. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for putting that out in the universe. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 it's it's staggering how little I was was harmed in the making of that video. I really wasn't hurt at all. I was obviously desperately humiliated. Um, I don't even know what what happened. I mean, how they've diagnosed that I turned my ankle in that news report when my the lower half of my body was out of shot uh, in in the moment of impact. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was attempting to attempting to just sort of stand up in high heels and went very badly. If you'd if you'd said to me, David, Catherine, you know, could you ever imagine going viral? I'd have thought, well, probably not. But if I were to go viral, it it might be for some profound things I'd said about feminism or women working in sport. That's all to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But first, we did this. <laughs> <laughs> but but first, falling over. <laughs> if you'd asked my mum what might what might Catherine or Kathy, and uh, she calls me, go viral for, she'd have said, yeah, falling over. <laughs> Who are your um, supporting actors in the video? <laughs> who is who is Man with Coffee Cup? Man with Coffee Cup is Tim, who is the floor manager in the studio. And I should say Tim has come under a bit of fire for not properly wearing his mask. And I should point out that Tim Tim was in uh, at standing at his workstation uh, at the moment of impact, which is where the only place you're permitted to not wear your mask on site and we were both at our workstations um and um yes he he was there in a in a flash uh, and the only person that managed to suppress his laughter yes but briefly but until he knew i was okay and then he that he let it all hang out um so thanks to thanks to tim <laughs> oh dear um oh. yeah I'm turning off my notifications Probably overnight. Wise. Did you get one of those notifications from Twitter to say that you're getting a lot of notifications? Would you like us to help manage them? <laughs> that happens sometimes. Is that a thing? Yeah. And what do they do to help manage them? I don't know. I've never, I've never wanted help. 
that notification mat got lost within yeah. all the other notifications. It seems slightly no, counterproductive, not, I ha- really. I have not had that. Hmm. No. Well. No. You're very proud. I mean, <laughs> do you mean you're very proud? <laughs> I just, all that engagement. I just, I feel like if you can't laugh at someone falling over brackets provided they don't get hurt then what's the point in anything yeah oh no i think brilliant (laughs) when you've done a viral tweet don't you need to plug something in the comments that's what people do plug their soundcloud or their podcast for example is this my opportunity to get more free stuff I say no, this more. is when you should I... have said, oh, listen to the Tennis Podcast. I do this stuff oh, all the right, time. Okay. You, could, you, could, you could reply again and say, listen to the tale on the Tennis Podcast. Yeah, listen to how I knock my Although teeth out. I would understand and... if that would just be even more humiliating and you want to Yeah, I'm not going to do thing. that. <laughs> <laughs> then it all looks no, staged. Then it all looks staged. No, that wouldn't be Catherine, no, would it? it wouldn't. You know, this mm. was Catherine. Yes. Yeah. See, I think people that have known me for any period of time will will be aware that no one needs to stage me falling over. It's no, just well, a thing that happens. We're definitely into double figures since I've known you. Um, so, and I'm not even with you that often. Um, so, anyway, but we, <laughs> we, were, we, we were we were concerned. I have to say at the, at the time, but um, yeah, I'm the only it. one of the three of us that doesn't have an insta- a, a, an influencer light. And it turns out that I'm the viral sensation. You are. What can I say? So, um, and being a viral sensation in 2020 is, it's in. It just feels like it hasn't quite got the same appeal as it used to have, though. Um, but anyway, you are one. So that's the end of it. Uh, I, mean, I mean, last night alone, we had uh, a moment where I, I, I just, it was two, three in the morning, and I said, I always tweet, you know, the podcast coming, we've finished it, we've edited it, it's on its way, who's up for it? And then I just, on this one, I just said, uh, are you still up and where are you? And I didn't expect so many replies. And we got we got hundreds of people writing in to tell us where they were. And this was before Catherine did this. Um, but we're talking about South Korea, New Mexico, St. John's in Newfoundland. Have I said that correctly? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Singapore, many parts of Australia, Turanga in New Zealand, Manila in the Philippines, Brazil, Japan, Bolivia, Costa Rica, India, Seattle, where my Seahawks are from, Lima in Peru, Moscow, Buenos Aires, Lagos in Nigeria. Oh, all of those countries have got people listening to the tennis podcast, folks. And now you can probably double that because of Catherine. (laughs) You're welcome. amazing my humiliation Um, is your gain well we think the world you you know we do (laughs) and uh, we're just relieved you're all right and uh and you you did give us a chuckle um just a couple of final things uh one alex green has written in and said thanks for the shout out last night sadly i'm not Catherine's boss but me There are two Alex Greens, and the other one also backs us, by the way. Your boss did as well. So we've got two Alex Greens backing us. As always, a great podcast. Before COVID-19, was, I was planning to go to the semifinals of the O2 this weekend, but sadly, not to be. Hello, Sorry to hear that. other Alex Green. Everything I said yeah. about the name Alex Green still applies. Still a favourite colour. Yeah, favourite colour. Um, great, great name. I have a cousin called Alex. All of those yeah. things. Yeah, uh, and, oh, and, and my also... granddad was called Alex. All right, excellent. And yeah, he got me into whiskey, which I'm just about to take a sip of. Brilliant. So all in all, my sister owns a whiskey shop, so it all works. Um, anyway, and we would also like to say, belatedly, 24 hours late because I was supposed to do this yesterday and I clean forgot to say happy birthday to Daryl, my old mate from university at Loughborough who is somebody who gives me a hard time on a daily basis. I was going to say, it's um, very generous of you, David, because he pretty much trolls you on our Instagram. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah. 
But, yeah, it's very gracious of you. But he's got a magnificent cat called Gerald. Yes, he does. It was one of our mascots for he's Wimbledon. Our Wimbledon mm. mascot. Yeah. yeah. And, the majestic and, Gerald. And we don't celebrate anniversaries. We always celebrate the day after an anniversary yes. anyway. Yeah. So that's in a, the finest tennis podcast, podcast tradition, we're yeah, wishing him a happy so. birthday plus, plus one. And, I mean, just... To clear it up, the reason I've agreed to it, Catherine, is because I finished one place ahead of him in the predictions. So, Not in the quiz, though. Yeah, but nobody remembers that, do they? Um, <laughs> have we got any shout-outs, Matt? Yes. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. For Douglas. Douglas. Hello, Douglas. Hello, Douglas. Thanks very much for backing us. I'm Douglas... Heard? Yeah, political <laughs> conservative of the 80s. <laughs> it's not that one, I don't think. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> 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 We've got to stop analysing names. Oh dear. <laughs> Who else we got, Matt? We have Jay. Three. Jay, thanks very much for backing the tennis podcast in 2020. One of my favourite letters in the first half of the alphabet. <laughs> Catherine, your glasses have stooped up <laughs> with all the laughing. Jay, there was um, <clears throat> Jay, Jay from Five when I was a kid. He was sort of handsome in a in a roguish, edgy way. Hmm. Jay Rodriguez, who used to play for Albion. What can I say? <laughs> Carry on, Matt. And finally, we have David Lloyd. What? Which, which is a do we? Which is a tennis name? It is. Is it the tennis name? I wonder. Maybe not. David Lloyd is David's Caroline Whitaker. Yes, that's right. Yes. that's when I went on <laughs> David, the, the queue. David once, David once got booked for something. I was on. I was on the <laughs> Victoria Derbyshire show. David Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, I was on the... First of all, David, thank you ever so much for your backing. Yes, thank you, David. Podcast in Whichever David Lloyd you are. Yeah, but yeah, I was booked for the Victoria Derbyshire show on BBC uh, One. BBC One, proper telly, right? Network television. And in order to... Because I didn't really know where... I, I didn't have anywhere I could go at Wimbledon. It was during Wimbledon. I didn't have anywhere I could go to record my bit of the, 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 the chat. So I went into where they used to hold the Wimbledon queue earlier in the fortnight. And this was ahead of women's semi-finals day, I think. And so I'm in this deserted field and I set up my briefcase and balance my phone on top of it to do my sort of video what, phone call into this live TV show on BBC One. And it worked. And up, up I popped. There's my face. And they caption it. <laughs> David Lloyd, former Great Britain Davis Cup player. <laughs> I'm thinking, now does that mean they just got the wrong bloke and they don't really want me? Or does it mean that they've got the right black, but they've just <laughs> mistaken him for David Lloyd, Davis Cup player? So. And you didn't ask? Well, I mean, I didn't know until I didn't know it happened until I was off air. And then I'm getting loads of messages and laughing at me. So. Anyway, thank you, David, very much for your support. <laughs> thank you, David. Great Good name. Good luck with this edit, Matt. I'm really... I'm really I am done. <laughs> only one more show to go tomorrow. Uh, right, I think I'd better carry on here. Um, because, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody who 
listens to the show i i mean i hope you're enjoying it but also there's so many people that have sent us lovely messages over the last few weeks and months and uh emails and instagram messages and twitter twitter direct messages and all sorts of things just lovely messages just really mm. goodwill out there and um and it really matters to us you know really we really appreciate it and it i'm not i'm not saying this on the podcast to try to get loads more it's not it's not a question of that um it's just the 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 decency out there and the um it's it's really appreciated so uh so thank you so much for for all your support um in a in what has been you know for everybody a tough old year um and we've we've loved doing this and uh um yeah we're going to do another one tomorrow one more time for the atp finals in 2020 so catherine go and get a good night's sleep and uh no more mishaps tomorrow you know it was very entertaining but let's just call it the one um and uh, and matt thank you so much for your contributions you're an absolute legend um, and let's come back and do all this tomorrow. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 